Can you believe? It's that time of year already where we begin to celebrate, um, in particular, Advent. And as we go through this series, Advent means exactly that. It's not Christmas. And so we're not going to really go into great detail about Christmas through this series, but we are going to go through Advent this morning. And this morning... You may have heard a similar message before, but most of us have probably not. Uh, It's a little different. But I need to make a few corrections, and Barry and Sharon, you did such a great job right here. But for our, you know, traditions are important, right? And if anyone knows, has been around here very long, the tradition is, this thing is is crooked. That's because our friend Brad always hung it crooked. And so we will remember him and leave that crooked. So if you bring visitors to this, this place and they say, that thing's crooked, you just say, that's on purpose. We do that on purpose. Uh, I, uh, the children, are they in here right now? I'd like to ask the children to come up as we begin this, this morning and just kind of hang out and look at the decorations, if you will. Any other? Show? Oh, oh there, there's some more that are going to come. And so you guys just look around and, and, and see some of the things. And um, I also see something I want to fix, too, while you're doing that. I'm going to put the big Christ candle over here as opposed to the smaller one. No one's fault. I just see it and I want to change it. Okay. Are you nervous? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to ask you some questions, but I want to wait for just a minute. Um, cool. So you guys just kind of look around at the things that are changed in the sanctuary, okay? Just look. Come on up. Just look. You, can, you feel free to walk and check things out and see what you like. Just don't touch this tree, okay? All right? But look around. See what, you, see what you like, and maybe you even want to ask a question or something, right? So is there anything that you, you like about the stuff? Nervous? You like the candles? Yeah, I do too. Anything else that's cool that stands out to you? The flowers, these poinsettias, yep, they're absolutely beautiful, you're right. You like those poinsettias because you put those out. That's why you like those, isn't it? Yeah, you did a great job. You like the candles too? Well, does anyone notice anything besides that? Yeah, <laughs> you, you got it? Yeah. What, anything else? The tree. What's the tree doing there? What? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can touch it. Even though I told you not to touch it, you wanted to touch it, didn't you? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that this morning. Well, this is obviously a Christmas tree to everyone else. I want you to think of it differently this morning. It's not a Christmas tree. This tree represents a tree that we find back in the DNA of history of Christianity, back in a garden that was right in the center of everything. So 
thing. And there's one more thing I want to do, and we didn't actually plan for it, but I realized we want to light an Advent candle this morning. And we normally would do that. And we haven't picked up a hymn book in a long time, and this is on the spur of the moment. Would someone please help me find that there's a um, 157. So 157, and I really need someone to come and read, because I'm not going to do it. Someone... 158 is the first, 158, and I need someone who will volunteer to come and read the dark print, I mean the light print as we all read the dark print together. There's a microphone right there. And won't you guys come up here and you help me light the candle this morning. So come on up. Yeah, come on down here. We'll wait till she starts reading, okay? Uh, yeah, read the light print, and then we'll all read the dark print together. So 158, we haven't picked up these hymn books in a long time, so um, take a look at that, and let's all do this together. The Lord God of Israel said, you want, Hold on to my arm. Hold on to my arm. Amen. I want you all to know, when you go home, and if your Christmas tree's not already up, you can say, Pastor gave me permission to touch it. Okay? Yes. Pastor gave me permission to touch it. So when it's so pretty at home, and they say, don't touch the tree, you can say, Pastor told me I could touch it. Okay? We don't need to go too deep other than that. Okay? Thank you for coming up and pointing out this Christmas tree right in the middle of this. You guys can go back and be seated. Thank you. <clears throat> Come back on the 13th, right? And hear, the, the, hear them sing on the, on the 13th. I think it's the 13th, right? Yes. yes. At 5.30. Yeah, cool. Five. Oh. So the sanctuary does look different, right? It looks different today than it has. And, and I'll ask you, what catches your attention the most? The tree, right in the center of things. You know, for, the most, for most purposes, the Protestant church has always placed the pulpit right in the center because the Word of God would be one of the most significant things, and so they want it right in the center. That's the reason that that happens. It's nicely symmetrical, too, but it's, it's saying that the Word of God is the most important thing that we reveal and do, and that's why we often put it there. You'll notice that the Episcopal Church and some of those others, often the pulpit is to the side and maybe a little higher like this, but but we do it in the middle because it's the most important thing. And so this morning, you would have to look at that and think, well, that's the most important thing. 
And when I think about trees, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I mean, there's really nothing like trees. I mean, think about how, how, how important they have been to humanity. I mean, think about this. I mean, in, in so many different ways. But I, I, I don't know if you knew, but I, I grew up my first five years of my life in Italy. And I lived in a, in a city up on a balcony, and there was no real parks and those type things. And my parents would tell me about my grandparents. When we get back home, you're going to find that they live on the, all these acres, and they have trees all over the place. Now, I had seen a tree, but it just didn't see what we see here in Georgia. Trees are everywhere. And when I got home, I remembered to my grandmother, and, and I was scared of my grandmother, but I loved that yard. She had... Uh, all kinds. She had pecan trees that I could climb, and she had this massive magnolia that, that, that they, adults really couldn't get under, but I could. And I would get under there and hide and hang like a monkey from those trees. And I remember um, how fun those trees were, and it was important. And I, and I think even today, when I'm looking at, and I'm outside, and I'm looking for some place to go, and I need to stand for a little while, I'm always hunting the shade. I'm always hunting the tree that's got some shade. When I'm looking for a parking spot, I ask Christy, if we're going somewhere, I want to park next to the tree that will shade my car so it's not as heavy. It's, it's that way. Somehow in the midst of, of um, winter, the, the leaves fall off most trees and that shade's gone because you know that you need that sun. It's, it's quite interesting. If you think about the history of all of our people and all things, how significant life changed once the printing press came out and we figured out how to use paper. My office is full of books in there. Lots of paper. And where, do, where does paper come from? It comes from trees. Uh, a significant part of, of all of our humanity is really wrapped up in how trees have served us, how, how they actually take in carbon dioxide and how they create oxygen. It, it's, the, the tree is so vitally important in, in so many different ways. I mean, mo- many of us who are married, you have a, you have a marriage certificate. What's it printed on? It's, it's printed on paper. That comes from truth. Back in the day, not today, your driver's license used to be on paper. You remember that? Uh, some of us remember. Some of us may not remember. But, but paper has changed the world. Trees have changed the world uh, in so many different ways. And as we move to technology, things are changing a little bit. So I, I, really what I'm telling you is I, I love trees. And, and one thing I don't like to see is pull uh, the, you ever see the, um, the tree, what do they call pulpwood? You ever see when they just come out and clear land? It just bothers me to see it. I know it's purposeful. I know it's good. I know all those things. I just don't like to see all that land cleared. It just kind of bothers me. I get it. Truly, the, the only time I really like to see a tree cut down is when I can put that in my fireplace and just sit back and hear that snap and that crackle and that pop and that's not a cereal and, and just relax and maybe even smell it, it just kind of something mystical almost about it, that you can just sit there and enjoy the warmth about it all. It, it's, it's really, um, it's wonderful. In so many ways, trees are a part of our life. And I would say that maybe there is something mystical, something magical, if you will, about trees. And I would say maybe it's because it's in very much ingrained in our spiritual DNA. It's very much a part of our own lives, but it's very much a part of our spiritual DNA. And in the very beginning, when we talk about it, trees are mentioned. So I want to read for you this morning a very lengthy passage of Scripture that talks about that. And you'll say, why in the world are you in Genesis when we're talking about Advent? Well, I want to tie it all together at some point, and maybe you'll, you'll, you'll understand it. But Genesis chapter 3 and um, begins this way and ends. It's... 
24 verses, so let's read this together. Now the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the servant, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, For you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me a tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field and on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have indeed, you've heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I command you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And then the Lord God said, Behold, that man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And so he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden in a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. May the Lord add his blessing to his word, a story of humanity, and really where uh, the story of of humanity enters into the story of God. Um, I look at this story, and I think there are a lot of things, and if you are here today and you are really a student of theology or different types of religion, you're going to hear today a very Wesleyan idea of what this tree means to us. 
you will get different opinions in different types of theology. So some of you will care, some of you will not, that's okay. But you will get a very Wesleyan view of what this tree means this morning. When you look at this story and how people came to, to do all these things, there are some observations that I think that we ought to make. I think the first thing that you want, really want to look at, all right, so God has placed this these people in the garden, he's placed the tree in the garden, and now we have what we're going to call a tragic event. So two things about God. Did God know that the tragic event would happen? Or was God surprised? Was he awakened in the middle of the night and an angel came and said, hey, they've messed things up down there, and then he began to get engaged? Or did, did he know that that was all going to happen from the very beginning? It's a question that theologians have been trying to answer for a long time. I'm going to tell you my, my belief. So I think there are some very valid points um, on the side of God being surprised. I think there's some valid points that you can make a good argument that God was surprised. There is a rule. It is a serious rule. God was certainly not winking when he said, don't touch and stay away from that tree. But when he shows up, he he begins to go into an investigation about the things that are going on and what happened. And then he has a punishment that he doles out, all these things. So I think it would be easy to say that he was shocked when this man and woman did what what they did. But I also think there are four things that I think that argue that against that belief that I see right here. There are four things that show that God is really not surprised about what happened. That he's really not surprised. Uh, In fact, I think this tree and the choices that were made were actually part of the plan of God. And I'm going to give you those today. I think the first thing is the fact that this tree is present and existed is, is a significant event. So today, you come into this sanctuary, and the first thing you saw was this tree. You saw it there. It was very clear that it was there. It was put there on purpose. It was present. Now, we have no problem saying that God put everything out there in the, in the garden. We have no problem at all saying all that. And so we have to say, well, God also put this tree here in the garden, that it was there. But the question is, why did he do it? Why is it here? If the tree was not going to be a part of this story from the beginning, why is it even included in the story? If it's insignificant, if it's not, if God didn't place it there and mean for it to tell us a story, why is it even there? If today uh, you have children, you have grandchildren, you have nieces, or you just have something... I want you to know, as we did a little bit of experiment today, but would you ever put a child right in front of you at the table, stick the cookie right in front of their face and say, don't eat that? Would you do that? If you did, you're kind of cruel. Don't eat that. Just look at it. Just, Just smell it. You can enjoy it. Pretend that it's all good, but you do not eat that. Think about that. And you know what that child would probably do? At least if you turned, your, you turned around for a moment. You know what the child's going to do, don't you? You know the child is going to eat that cookie. You know that's going to happen. And I think that's very clear what's going on here. It's done with a purpose. It's placed by God. It's part of what God said was good. And I think that God always meant that the tree would be part of the story. That he himself includes it 
to be told. You know, but aside from, from really just being there, because that's a big deal, I think that that's a big deal, but there's also something very interesting about the placement of this tree. So, you know, we talk about these, all these accidents and things, but no, this thing, look where, it's, look where ours is placed. Where is the tree? And what does the scripture say that the tree is? It says it's in the midst, and there are different versions that say that it's in the middle, that it's in the middle of everything that's there. Wait. Why doesn't God put this tree that you're not supposed to touch way off? Why does God not put it in that corner where everything else can be seen? Why is it right there in the middle of this? Why Some corner someplace. Why did God not go place it on a high mountain where it would take you days to get to, where you would have to think about it over and over again about what you were engaging in, and you would probably have more time to think, that's just not worth the journey to do what I've been told not to do. Why is it not there? You know, I think about my own life in that way sometimes. I think about some of the things that I've done that, were, that have been mistakes and I should never have done. And I, I say, God, could you have just made it harder for me to be able to do, make that decision? Could you have it made it such a distant place that I, that I wouldn't have engaged in those type things? But yet, often those things that tempt us are just right here in the center where we see it all the time, every day. The placement of this tree is not by accident. The placement is real, and we should pay attention to what that means. Now, I don't know how big that garden was. Maybe the garden was the size of this church right here. Maybe that's the size of it. I don't know. But you know what? Maybe it was the size of the city of Gainesville. I don't know. Maybe it was the size of the state of Georgia. I I really don't know exactly how big it is. But why didn't God just move it over somewhere else where they wouldn't be all the time? Instead, right in the midst. place to be constantly confronted if it was not to be a part of the story he probably would have put it somewhere else but it was to be a part of the story and it was placed right in the middle I think there's this third thing that's interesting about this and that is protection or lack of protection think about this there are lots of trees out there Lots of them. Um, And truthfully, we know now that there were more trees outside the garden than there were in. I mean, look right now. We're outside the garden. There's trees every place. They're all over the place. He always knew that there would be this time that all that space outside the garden would need to be used. Why would God create all the earth and everything? Now, he's created the garden. That's where the Adam and Eve live. But he also created everything else outside there. Why would he create that if he didn't know that someday they was going to be needed and used? Why didn't God put a fence around the tree? Why didn't he put a sign there right here that said, do not touch, warning, world changes would happen if you touch this tree. It's like an atomic bomb. Do not, do not step, do not touch it. Why did God not do this to the tree wherever Adam and Eve were? Why did he not? Why was there no keep off sign? Because the truth is, if you think about that, he plans for people to be able to get to it. He could keep them off. 
So obviously he plans for people to be able to get there, to that tree. He gave his word. That's supposed to be enough, and I agree with that. It should have been enough. But it turns out it's not enough. Don't touch it. Don't touch the tree. Eat everything you want. Don't touch this tree. Don't eat from the fruit of this tree. Should have been enough. But it's not enough. It wasn't enough for them, and it's not enough for us. When God wants people to not get something, he arranges for them not to get it. But this time... He does not. In fact, after it all goes sour, guess what he does? He says, you can't come in here anymore and you can't touch it. He has the ability to say, you can't come, you can't touch the tree. But, so he does that after they've done it. But before, clearly he knows that he wants the ability for man to come up and just touch it and eat the fruit. He wants them to have that ability. He's told them not to, but it's clear that he wants them to. And I got ahead of myself a while ago. This other part of this is, think about all this tree's friends and brothers and family. That's when I think about how this garden has been closed, but he created all of this earth all around, knowing that eventually that this garden is not going to be enough for all the people. They're going to decide, and I'm going to build a space for them. So clearly there is something going on here. I don't know why God made this such a tiny spot, but he knew someone would live there, but he knew eventually all the other space would need to have someone living in. So am I saying that God set it up for failure? Is that what I'm, I'm saying? Did God really mean for them to fail? I don't think that's what it's meant to be at all. These two people still had a choice. If you really want anything out of this little bit different style sermon this morning, and you, and you think, I, I can't follow everything, this is what I would just, you can write this down, this is good enough for you to take right here. They had a choice. You don't get anything else this morning, get this. They had a choice. Think about it for a moment. If your home had no exits in it, it'd be a prison. God was not interested in making captive children that would just be little robots and chess pieces that he would move around the table. These are people that had a choice. They're truthfully, God isn't interesting and just interested in just having slaves that he would direct and say, you do this, you do that, and I'll make it all work the way that I want to. God was not after mindless droids who couldn't think, who, could, who couldn't love, who couldn't decide for themselves. If the object was to make people, people who were loved by him, if the object was because he wanted to be loved back because of the humanity that we've created and we're made in his image and we need this love, then he needed them to choose to love him rather than being forced to do so. To have that choice. If Adam's family was free and if your family is free, there's got to be an option. Some way to say no. No. God was not trying to make captives or slaves 
but he really wanted children and he wanted family. They have to be able to leave. They have to be able to reject this offer of fellowship with God. They have to be able to do that. They can choose the tree or they can choose God. They have to have this option. So you can have the tree or you can have God. You've got to have that option that's going on here. And he knows that, that people whose will is both really weak and also free, then they have to be able to leave. But here's the thing. The garden comes up and they've done wrong and now all of a sudden they can't get to it. You're blocked. You're not getting back in here. If there was this door to leave, now there needs to be a door to get back in. See, God has to create this space because he loves and he wants and he knows that, that ultimately you've got to have this choice and, you're going, and people are going to choose at some point to do something different than he's got and he wants to have a relationship with his kids and he's already told them, hey, you touch that and the world's changing. It's a bad thing. You can't. Then he knows that there's got to be an avenue, a door to get back in because that's what he wants to begin with. He wants to have that avenue open. He wants to have the family that loves and so he's got to have this door. And if he's got to have that door, and truthfully the door was a tree that they're supposed to stay away from, ultimately, as trees have been such a part of our history from the beginning, there will be a tree that will be created and carved into something else that would be avenue back in to say, you've chosen against, but hey, there's still a place where I still love and care, and I want you to know that tree is not the same one in the garden, but it's another tree that man will make to be torturous and will be terrible. While this garden, this tree looks so beautiful and wonderful, this tree is going to look heinous and terrible and be bloodstained and all these things, and that God would provide that. And if you would accept Jesus through that cross, then ultimately he's saying, come on back in. This is what I wanted to have from you from the very beginning. That you said that I don't care what you want, God. I want what I want. And he says, that's the way you lead to death and destruction. But if you really want to have a life that's fulfilling and complete, then you can come through the Savior and come back in and we will have great harmony and love and you really won't care about all the things of the world. And so the tree that is an avenue to get away from God turns out to be a tree that is an avenue to get back to God. That he opens things back up to us. And so Advent. This is really the message that I've, I'm after today. Which has told you a lot of things about our belief system. Then and now begins with a tree. And today we have come and we've put another type of tree in place. That is beautiful and reminds us of God and and in all of its things, you know, typically we put an angel or a cross on top of it, and, and it would just point directly towards heaven, and it would make us to realize that, that there is this God who wants to have a relationship with us. A tree, beautiful. A tree that asks us to remember that our spiritual forebears stood in a similar place choosing a tree over the one who made it 
and invites us to remember that God is not surprised by our choices. In fact, it very well could have been part of his plan all along. For when we've gone astray and when we've wandered away and when we've taken and we've listened to a snake or serpent, more proper, we have not really derailed God's plan. We've become a part of it. The problem in the garden was not the tree. The problem is what we did with it. The problem in our life is not temptation, but what happens next when we face those temptations. And as we come and we recognize, and that's part of this whole Advent story of Jesus was coming before he would get to this cross, there was this great expectation, and that is the season that we're in, that we wait to, that the Messiah may create a door back in. That we could have the relationship that we had so long ago. And there is great expectations because it's been told so long ago. There will come one out of the stump of Jesse who will come and create a reconciliation for the entire world. And we look for it with such longing and expectation of God. Come so quickly that we might have that perfect way that you had designed for us so long ago. That is the story of Advent that we are still waiting. And then God did come. And now our story begins another Advent that God has come and he said, I'll come back for you I've created the way back in stay in and when I come back we'll all it'll all end and so now we also wait for that day when the world as we know it ends and it brought to complete perfection and where there is love for one another and whether we care so much so deeply that heaven actually exists and it begins upon this earth because we're called not just to wait for it we're called to be active participants in it And that's part of Advent. We don't just sit down and just look and say, come Jesus. No, we come and we go and we meet and we shake hands and we hug. Soon. And we hug and we invite people in and we bring about what God says. Hey, we know that you are going to choose yourself. But there is another door. There's another tree that brings us into a relationship. And I want you to make those decisions where you have had turmoil, where such difficulty living this life, but there is something better. We are to call, we are called in this moment of Advent to be agents of grace and agents of God to go and share and not always send chastisement and always tell people what they've done wrong and say, hey, I know you've done wrong, but I love you anyway. I know you don't act like I think you ought to act. But I'm not the judge. And I want to love and I want to care. And I want you to understand the loving God that is out there. We're agents of that. Advent is about expectantly waiting for the Messiah to come and making sure that we're all together. If you remember Josh's first sermon, climbing a mountain, and what a terrible thing it would be to get to that mountaintop and be the only one there. But to take everyone with us as we go. God has a doorway out, which was the tree. It was a doorway out of the garden and authentic love that we experienced so long ago. And God has a doorway back in through another tree. And we have a tree that now we use to look for his returning again. Looking for that love and that redemption story. It's not the same tree as it was in the beginning. But it seems that trees are linked with us throughout all of our history and even into the future. So... It's a Christmas tree. But maybe we should call it an Advent tree. There are such things as Advent trees. But I'd like to think that that 
tree brings us into a state of expectation, of waiting and wanting and activeness in our communities and the people that are all around us. And if it doesn't do that to us, do we understand it? We want to rush and just receive. Just give me, give me, give me. Christmas is here. Give me, give me, give me. We're waiting. You are to give. You are to present the gospel in a story that would be loving to people. That they would be drawn into the door that they chose to close and it can be opened again. So I don't know how you uh, end such a strange sermon this morning, but I think we ought to have an opportunity to respond. And so, Ryan, if you just come and uh, if you need to, to pray or even re-examine what, what, what Advent means to you, if you need to step up and say, ah, you know what, that, that idea of that, that door has been closed and I need it back open, I want you to know that God is offering for you any moment of your life. Why don't you stand with me? We're not going to take a long time. I'm not going to beat you down and say you all got to do something. You don't have to come down to this altar. It's a great place for it. I understand, especially with COVID, you want to stay where you are. But I think there needs to be an opportunity just to think about these things. That God is opening his arms and inviting you into his presence where there might be peace and contentment in your life, where you might be a part of building his kingdom and experiencing it. If you need to make some changes or adjustments in your life, I encourage you to do that right now. So good to have Josh back with us after being, you know, Josh, would you come and, and offer a blessing for us as, as we leave today?